Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Every Friday from 6 till 8, we have something called the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. And we bring on someone who... Um, who can do that? Who can who can talk intelligently with great insight and have great ideas about different things from the sublime to the ridiculous? But just before we get there, I did want to tell you, uh, if you're going to Montreal anytime in the next little while, and some people do, some people love to go visit Montreal, uh, and you're planning and you go on TripAdvisor, and you're looking up a restaurant. What restaurant should we go to in Montreal? Well, you know, there's lots of, there's phenomenal restaurants in Montreal. What restaurant should we go to in Montreal? Well, let me tell you, uh, you may want to skip the number one ranked restaurant in the entire city, according to TripAdvisor. It was ranked number one in all the restaurants in the entire city. Out of 3,678 listed restaurants, there may have been others, it was number one. It's a place called Le Nouveau Duluth. And the reviews have been amazing for this place. Basically all five stars for the entire up and down everything. Le Nouveau Duluth, Montreal's finest eatery. So why would you avoid this place? Well, you're not really going to avoid it. Turns out, you know, even TripAdvisor can be fooled. There is no restaurant named Le Nouveau Duluth. People are going to Montreal trying desperately to find this amazing restaurant that every single diner has given five stars for. That's a complete shame. No such place exists. Proves that even reputable websites like TripAdvisor, which is a reputable website, even reputable websites can be hacked. It's it's why yesterday when Ben and I were talking here on the show, um, you know, we commented that the the, the 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 truism that you know, once upon a time, as kids, our parents said, "Don't believe everything you hear on TV," but now that it's on the internet, we believe everything we hear on the internet, even as the adults. We didn't take our own lessons. Well, Le Nouveau Duluth is uh, is proof of that. Now, you watch. Now someone will open a place called Nouveau Duluth and nobody will go because they think it's a phony place. I'll tell you someone who has never been fooled by the internet. Never. She has never, because she's just way too smart and way too on top of things to, to do that. Um, she is someone you've heard for a long, long, long time on this station. You hear her, well, you've heard her. Uh, doing the news day after day after day. But you may have noticed that for the past few days, you haven't. And you're not going to after tonight for a while. Because joining me today for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, Diana Weeks, who will we'll tell you why she's going to be off for a bit in a few minutes. But Diana, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, Scott. Great to be here as I Google La Nouveau Duluth on my computer trying to find this thing as well. But yeah, no, <laughs> it does not exist. Ever been there? You've never eaten at Le Nouveau Duluth, have you? Uh, no, um, I have not. Like, are they talking <laughs> about a Duluth in like North Dakota, Minnesota area, like that Duluth? Like, I can Are they famous for some kind of cuisine there? <laughs> I don't. I don't but, well, yeah. So, yeah, Duluth is in Minnesota. So, I'm not even sure how the the new Minnesota. I guess that's what Montreal is now. That's Montreal's nickname, the new Minnesota. I don't know that Montreal that would be thrilled weird. with that okay. nickname. You know, but whatever, whatever, you know, I don't really need Le Nouveau Duluth, though, if I go to Montreal. You go and get a great uh, smoked meat sandwich, and you know what? That's that's sufficient. That is sufficient. True. Years ago, in 2014, when the uh, McMaster Marauders were playing in the last Vanier Cup they played, and it was being played in Montreal, and I can tell you, that after the game, Ken Peters, who worked for the paper at the time, and I went out and searched and found a place in Montreal. Not that anyone's, I mean, it's dinner time. I'm just making people hungry. It, we found a Montreal smoked meat sandwich that, Diana, I, I am not exaggerating. I would have needed two mouths, maybe three, to get around this thing. It was, it was I'm not kidding, seven inches high stacked with smoked meat. It was glorious. I just wanted to, like, rub it on my body while I was eating it and, you know. <laughs> It was, How it was does like, one eat that though? Because I kind of had the same experience, like you know, the famous Carnegie Deli in New York. Yes, and I was yes. like, "How am I supposed to eat this? Like, there's no way. Even with a fork and knife, it's it's undoable." Well, 
I know that, um, you know, we're in a time now when I don't even know if the phrase ladylike is offensive to somebody <laughs> now. Uh, someone was probably upset by using that phrase, but th- there is no ladylike way to eat something like that. Let's put it this way. And if you're a guy, well, we're just expected to be pigs. So it can be all over us. And, you know, no one really cares if we've got meat hanging out our corner of our mouth and mustard all over the place. But no, it would have been, um, th- there are certain there are certain places where, yeah, you just, you cannot, you can't bring your manners. You just can't. No. You're just going for it. Yeah. Uh, we have, um, we have lots and lots and lots to get to today, including in a few minutes talking about why Diana is uh, going to be heard less on the station for the next number of months. It's not a bad thing, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, in fact, we'll give you a hint. I am hoping, I have been... I have been praying that tonight in the midst of our show, Diana is going to go into labor because that is what you call ratings driving. If you could have Diana go into labor, because that's why she's going to be off because she's having a kid and give birth on this show, Diana, that is what I'm hoping for. This will be played everywhere. So if you can somehow, if you can somehow like do some jumping jacks or I don't know what you're doing while you're waiting between commercial breaks, anything you can do to incite labor, is that the right word? To induce labor, not incite. Yeah. I believe (laughs) it's induce. (laughs) Yeah. Anything you can do to make sure that before eight o'clock rolls around, you have popped out a baby. That would be fantastic. Well, it's a little early still, I think. Like, I mean, they say it's it's early term, but I'd like to wait a little bit longer. And also, I mean, if I could have a baby in an hour and a half, like, I think that's like a new record. Like, that's that's something else. You know what? We've got some some more serious things to get to today, but I want to start with something that I think rises to the highest point of idiocy. And let's start there today because you know what? It just seems like the right place to start. A school in Kitchener, a middle school in Kitchener, has announced that it has banned the celebration of Valentine's Day because it harms its equity goals. Uh, While we acknowledge the celebration of Valentine's Day and are mindful of the popularity of that day, it is not celebrated by all students, the school said, and could negatively impact our families and students if we were to celebrate it. And so... No kids, no cards, no candy, no nothing at this school. Have we lost all of our sense of fun and ability to do anything because of the fear that any one person, Diana, could possibly be offended? <clears throat> that seems excessive to me. Like, I, I, I think we're getting to that point in some ways. Um and not just maybe letting kids be kids in that sense. I remember Valentine's Day was a lovely time at school. You know, you had the little paper bag attached to the back of your chair. You got your Valentine's Day cards. You got your cinnamon hearts. And um, it was it was great. And I mean, I don't even I don't even know. Like, is it any particular religion that celebrates Valentine's Day, or it's more just like a it's a folklore thing about? Yeah, like, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know the history, right, of St. Valentine's Day. Well, I see. I don't think that it's. A religious, I mean, it's not clear why, like who the people are who might be so offended by Valentine's Day. I, I really, I don't know. It's a valid point. I don't know. There's no that I know of deep religious or some other meaning. It's just, you know, a time to, as you say, put, when you're in school, you put cards and you have a few candies. Now, they also point out just to further, just to further rain on the parade, it's not good because it involves candy and that's quote inconsistent with the healthy schools approach. Oh dear. Oh, where are we going? This is not good. Well, I, I, Diana, I look at this and all I think is, okay, going back, leave that. We'll get back to the healthy part in a second, but the idea that not all of our families celebrate Valentine's day, whatever that means. Therefore, we can't do it because someone might not. You know what else? Not every family sings at home. Should we not have a choir at school? And not every family plays sports. Should we not have phys ed? And not every family watches movies or acts in plays. Should we not have a drama club? Like you, If, if you're going to go down the path to say, unless every single person is engaged in this, we can't do it. I can assure you that there will be no school because not ev- there's nothing that everybody does. That's right. 
I agree. So, and so how is it though, that the adults, Diana, who should be able to rise above this and say, come on, parents, like the two parents or whatever, we don't know, but I'm guessing the two parents who are complaining about this, like get over yourself, keep your kid home from school for that day. Then we don't care. Yeah, and I'm not even sure in some of these cases that it's necessarily people that are coming forward with complaints. I think maybe it's just sometimes a case of like, you know, the admin or the board getting together and saying what they think is more or best or uh, most inclusive for everyone without really consulting, hey, is anyone actually offended by this? And I mean, obviously, that does not go for all cases of certain things. I mean, there are a lot of people that are offended out there by a lot of things and they need to be looked at. But with things like this, I can't imagine, I, I just, I can't picture someone being that upset over something like Valentine's Day or Valentine's Day candy in particular. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think you're onto something though with the, with the uh, let's call it preemptive offense that we not, we're not really sure anyone has been offended. No one has raised a concern that they're offended, but we're concerned that somebody might at some point be offended. Therefore, we're going to be offended for them before they can be offended and stop the offense. Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, you know, get try to get ahead of the, the offense before it even surfaces kind of thing. <clears throat> Is that not, though the absolute opposite. I mean, shouldn't we be doing things by saying, look, if, if Valentine's day is an issue, again, it's not, we're not mocking anyone's religion that I can think of with Valentine's day. I, I don't, I, I can't imagine how somebody could have a religious problem with it or anything else. If you really don't like it, you do have the option, the same with anything else that you can keep your kid home that day. Why must, why, if it's the school, and the school is saying, we're worried that a parent may have a problem. Why not send a note saying, look, we are going to be doing this. If you're, if you are offended by this, we invite you to keep your child home that day. It's okay. They won't be docked anything. There won't be any tests on that day. Why can we not do that and just leave it then to the people to make the choice? Yeah. I mean, I'm not entirely sure why that. That would be the case. And just looking here, so consulting the Google, apparently um, it was, oh, pop-ups blocking what I'm trying to see here. So it was St. Valentine, of course. So it does have uh, Christian origins, but then there's a line that's a bit blurred as well, that it might be, uh, it might have pagan roots as well. And that, you know, well, like you, even, even certain Christmas traditions. You know what else had roots. Christian roots? So, you know, mean, Diana, sorry? you know what else come, you know what else comes from a Christian person, a saint, St. Patrick's day. I haven't heard anyone that's say correct. we can't have St. Patrick's day. Maybe that's next. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know our kids. Uh, what do they partake in in school on St. Patrick's day? Well, I they guess, drink green um, beer. Things that are green, <laughs> a lot of yeah. gold, rainbows. I'll, I'll take it. I simply, uh, I find it so difficult to imagine that it, it's almost as if now we are looking for things. We, we, we have administrators who must be bored. They must not have enough on their plate and they're looking for things to do because I simply, as I say, I can't believe that this would be such a high priority. And, and you know what else? It, it's really interesting to me because I could see there are issues in school that parents of a variety of religions for, or even not of religions, but for moral reasons, for other reasons, might have a real offense. I know there are parents who are really not on board with some of the stuff that is taught in, for example, sex ed. I don't think the school, I have not heard of any school saying, oh, someone is offended, therefore we can't do this. No, to those people, they say, hey, too bad. This is the curriculum. Well, if that's the case, why could you not say, too bad, this is what we do here? Yeah. There's I, a fine I'm, line for sure. Well, you know, in the movie Spinal Tap, there was a great line in there. It says it's a fine line between clever and stupid. And I think in this case, they have, they have leapt over that line. And the people who are, whether it's administrators or teachers or whomever, it's like, really, you're, 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 you're proving that as adults, you're terrible at your job. 
You you don't have a clue. Let, let, let kids be kids. There's nothing wrong with that. If someone wants to tell me what's wrong with Valentine's Day that somebody would be that offended by, I'm open to listening. But I, I you know, I, 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 for the life of me, can't imagine what it is. Diana, we have heard, we heard this week, lots of talk, again, as we always do, but especially this week about private health care. Jagmeet Singh, leader of the federal NDP, wanted an emergency debate in the House of Commons to discuss the privatization of health care. Um, we've also heard for the last number of months and years through COVID that our system is not functioning as it should. Is it time to at least have the conversation about what we should do and whether privatization in some form should enter the conversation? Or in your opinion, is that an absolute non-starter? Don't even use that word because it cannot be part of the conversation. Oh, man, so many gray areas, I think. Like, you know, there's definitely not black and white. Yes, we should do this. No, we shouldn't do this. All I know, and I'm sure as a lot of Ontarians and Canadians are quite aware of this, is that our healthcare system right now, as it is, is not working. It's very broken. Um, and something definitely needs to happen. Whether or not that involves the P word, I don't know. But it seems as though... You know, things currently with um, with the Canada Health Act, it, it's quite vague as to what you can do in terms of privatization, if, if we even want to call it that, because it sounds like it's not cut and dry, you know? Well, no. And, and I mean, I, as we have heard since COVID really got going and our healthcare system has been exposed, and I think it's really since then that this has happened. I just don't know how we don't have the conversation, at least. I, I don't know why anything should be off the table, because as it stands right now, as you've identified, as everyone listening knows, it's not working. It's not working. And I don't know that anyone really believes that the answer is, well, just more public health care. If we double the money we put in, we already put a fortune into it. Just double the money. I don't know that anyone thinks simply paying more fixes it. So to me, it seems like I, I'm not suggesting we have to go all private like the States. I don't mean that. But I think we have to have the discussion, don't we, to see how it might work or what parts might work? Yes, I think that we should be open to putting all options on the table um, and talking with about them and how they might work rather than just saying, you know, no, without offering up maybe another option that might help the situation right now. Oh, no, see, that's, that's where I am. I don't, because yeah. you, this is always one of the tough things because you have a discussion doesn't mean that you necessarily absolutely agree with the point. You can, you can be a devil's advocate and you can argue the devil's advocate. People debate all the time an opinion that may not be the opinion they truly hold. But if you're going to explore ideas, I don't know that anything can be sacred and can be kept off the table. Yeah. Especially when things are as dire as they are right, right. now. Right. So if you, yeah. if you, I don't know, if, if you had something going on in your life and what you were doing was not working, I think you would be crazy not to say, let me explore all the ways that this might be fixed. I, exactly. And, Weigh all the pros and cons of everything and see right. what you come up with, right? And and mentioning those things doesn't mean you support those things. It means, you know, how, how many of us in our life have drawn one of those lists that you just talked about, the pro and con list? Do I want to do this? Here's the reasons I do. Here's the reasons I don't. Writing down the reasons I don't doesn't somehow mean that you support those ideas. It's just that you're, huh, should I consider it? Yeah. But we don't seem to want to even do that. Well, some people don't seem to want to even do that as if, if simply discussing privatization will launch us into private health care. That seems silly. Yeah. What about the idea of, I mean, okay, let's go a step further though. See, I, I do believe not just in the discussion of this, but I actually do believe that we should be considering seriously some privatization in our country. I really do. And I'm not talking about 
you know, you show up at the hospital and you've had a heart attack and you're unconscious and you don't have your card or you don't have your visa, whatever that they won't treat. I don't mean that, but for simpler procedures to get people out of the line to clear up the backlog. I, I, if, if you want to pay, if you need to have a knee replacement and you're willing to pay and that gets you out of the lineup that allows someone who doesn't want to pay a faster access to their doctor, I, I, I don't see the downside in that. Yeah, I mean, I think it just, like you said, people automatically jump to, you know, looking at, at the states and saying, well, you know, we can't go down that route. But a combined maybe hybrid model might be the a good option just to kind of see where we can go with that. Because, you know, like you said, there's people waiting years on the lists with, you know, maybe things that are getting worse in their bodies, tumors, um, you know, sicknesses, illnesses, and to not even have an option to be able to do that. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm not an expert on this, obviously, but it seems to me a little backwards that we wouldn't explore that. A hundred percent. Ben was just whispering in my ear while you're talking, why not have two lines instead of one? You know, if you go to a, like, here's a really bad example, Diana, but if you go to a theme park to go on a ride, they'll often have more than one line to get to the same point because it means more people can be moved through. And yeah. it just. Season pass holders or VIP ticket holders, right? Sure. But okay. So it's, this is an interesting example because if you go to Disney world, which is, you know, where they have something like this and there is a, a line for people who have paid exceptionally more yeah, you know what? You might say, oh, that kind of sucks that they get to go right to the front of the line because they're rich. I get that. But everyone who's done that is not standing in your line, which means you have a shorter line to get to where you want to. Yes. Uh, I, I just, I just, as I say, I just don't understand how we at this point in our healthcare system can possibly say that even discussing privatization is wrong because, you know, our system is so much better than the States. I, I don't think we can do that anymore. I don't think we can with a straight face say, Oh yeah, our system is so much better than the United States that we can't take any lessons from them whatsoever. There's nothing that they do that maybe we could absorb. I, I just, th that to me seems ludicrous right now because we have no, we have no, leg to stand on at this point to somehow pretend that our system is that much better. Our system is so much better than everyone else's that even contemplating switching to some other type of system would be outrageous. That's, that is, it just doesn't make sense anymore. It just, it's, it's a ludicrous proposition because we know that our system is not working. We know that our system is not working so we need to start looking at other solutions. And if one of those, in my mind, if one of those solutions includes some privatization, I'm not talking about full privatization. I'm not talking about getting rid of our system altogether. If it means some privatization, we have to at least have that discussion. I think, I think Jagmeet Singh is way out of line, way off base on this one. If our system was perfect, all right, fine. It's far from perfect. We need to consider other options. Diana, this week... Bill C-11 passed final reading in the Senate. Bill C-11 is a very controversial federal bill. It's, about, it's the Online Streaming Act. It's something that's going to be compelling streaming companies like Netflix to have more Canadian content. But what qualifies as Canadian content is also a very complicated thing. It's presumably going to shove more Canadian content, whatever the government defines as Canadian content, in front of our eyeballs to try and make it more viewed. Um, you're someone I'm sure who watches television, watches Netflix, watches whatever else. Do you want our government to be dictating what kind of things are pushed on you? Or are you quite satisfied now with the kinds of things that you can find on your television and on your streaming services and everything's okay? And why are we doing this? I you know what? I'm all for pushing the Canadian content. I really am. I'm always looking for more of it. But um, I don't necessarily think 
you know, we should start taking things away, give us more options, especially with the exorbitant prices we are paying for streaming services right now. So, I mean, I'm all for the more, you know, the more options, the better. I mean, is this why, I guess, uh, maybe this was a CBC thing only, but they're pulling, I believe, um, Schitt's Creek and Kim's Convenience off of Netflix in the U.S., so is that to give us exclusive rights to it as Canadians? Like, I mean, are they do? Is it like a double standard that like this? I, I mean, probably I would not. Like to have that's, access to as many as possible. All yeah, the that's probably <laughs> that's probably more of just a contract running out. But it's it's more of the idea that um, shows that are deemed to qualify as Canadian would be the things that are going to pop up in front of you and be pushed hardest, and other things will still be on Netflix, but they won't necessarily as obviously pop up in front of your eyeballs to make you think I want to watch those. And I'll tell you, the, the, there, there are so many reasons I have a problem with this, but the number one reason is I don't think that most of our Canadian artists who are really good at what they do need this kind of thing. It's almost patronizing. Think of Celine Dion, Brian Adams, Michael J. Fox, Jim Carrey, John Candy, Martin Short, Go down the list. Any singer, Michael Bublé, I mean, we could go on and on and on. They have done just fine because they are really talented and they stand out on the world in the world marketplace. They don't exactly. need a pay- yeah, exactly. They don't need someone saying, you can't make it unless we give you this special help. No, if you're good, you'll make it. Yeah. But yeah, this is suggesting I, I, I concur. Yeah, but this is suggesting that somehow, you know, we, we gotta make sure. That, um, you know, even how I take this is we're trying to make sure that even the mediocre become highly successful. And I I don't know that anybody wants that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I guess it's no different, really, when you look at what's happening on social media platforms, essentially, like, you know, the algorithms and stuff, you know, certain things are pushed on you. And I I swear my phone is listening to me. Sometimes I'll be talking about something. (laughs) My phone will be in the other room and then I'll go on Instagram and all of a sudden I'll see an advertisement for it. And I'll be like, that's weird, you know, but I I mean, there's a lot of things that I feel are, are being put in front of our eyes that that maybe... I don't know. We're not even aware half the time that it's being done. But according to this bill, what you're describing is not with the advertising necessarily, I hope, although I do yeah. understand what you're saying. I, I do also have the suspicions when they say that your devices aren't listening. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. But you <laughs> will have things on YouTube and whatever that will be pushed on you more because the algorithm will have to be adjusted to give you more Canadian content. And we live yeah. in a... We live in a global marketplace now. This is, I, I can watch whatever I want on YouTube. I don't, there are, there are people from Canada who do very well on social media. They've done exceptionally well without this. I, I don't know why we have to feel like we're so small minded to believe that unless the government holds our hand and props us up, we can't make it. No, we yeah, can make it. I, and I agree in that sense. However, you know, like on Spotify, I do particularly like if they suggest maybe up and coming new, let's say, indie artists that are local from Canada, because maybe I wouldn't that wouldn't be in front of my eyes had they not flagged it. And then let the onus be on me to be like, okay, let's check out this new artist and see what he or she is all about and kind of make that decision. But when it gets to be excessive, I guess I, I could see how that could be, you know, problematical. Problematic. Yeah. I can't speak apparently. That's okay. No, and, and the, I mean, look, there are other concerns about this that, um, you know, there there are people who are calling this a censorship bill and the it gives the government power to, you know, all, to force algorithms. And I mean, whether or not the government would be bold enough to, you know, if there was someone who was very critical of the government to do something to require them to be sort of pushed off to, I, I don't know. I, I, I think th- that any government would be taking a huge risk to start playing around with anything that someone might deem to be censorship. Although maybe I'm, you know, naive to think that that won't happen. Um, I don't know. It just, it, this whole idea just seems very childish. We, we've had so many artists over the years, so many, whether it's performing artists or singers or whatever else, we've had so many 
who have done such exceptional things. We've punched way above our weight in, in the world of entertainment. And somehow we're now saying, yeah, you know what? But we, the government, we're going to come to your aid and we're going to help you. you. They don't need your help. The, the best help most governments can do for an artist is just to get the heck out of the way. Yeah, that's that's true as well. I mean, I guess in certain ways I do like it, like I said, with the music. Um, I also like, you know, that I know it's not in the same realm and it's not, you know, um, being dictated to us. But going into Indigo, say, you know, they have the whole Canada Read section um, with, you know, books by Canadian authors. And I mean, while some big names don't necessarily need that help, say, Margaret Atwood, for example, um, perhaps there are some new um, local writers or, or people that are telling their stories that I wouldn't know had I not perused that shelf if they were just, you know, shoved in the stack somewhere. But yeah, I guess it's a little different when it's, you know, in your face all the time and it's something you're, you're paying for. Like if on Netflix this was happening all the time, it could get quite annoying. Funny you mentioned Margaret Atwood. Uh, she is one of the more prominent Canadian authors uh, warning against Bill C-11 um, because of, you know, the concerns that not the pushing of Canadian artists, but that it's a little Orwellian, that it's, uh, it's government trying to, in some ways, dictate what you will see. And by well, that is by a very good what point, and see. very to her, you know, very much to her brand, right? Like with the whole Handmaid's Tale, and and it is quite Orwellian as well. Like, are we going to start banning books and movies and shows? You know, like what happens next? So, well, even if we don't start banning, see, here's the thing: is that you don't have to ban something if you push all kinds of other things ahead of it. You're not necessarily banning it. You could say we didn't ban anything, but you've buried it which is, can almost be the same thing. Yeah. There are, yeah, I, I, I see that. I actually didn't know that, that uh, she was um, speaking, you know, on, on that side there, but that does make total sense. That yeah, makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, people should, should give it a read what, um, what this bill is all about. I know there's been a lot of talk about it. Uh, there's lots and lots of stories online that can give a good explanation of it. It's, I mean, it's complicated and, and the government would say, no, it's, it's all, you know, this is all good. This is just to help Canadians. I, um, I'm anytime, any government of any stripe, doesn't matter what kind of government of any political persuasion starts getting into the controlling what we see or saying they want to in some ways dictate what's on the internet or what we're seeing uh, it, that, that gives you the heebie, gives me the heebie jeebies a little bit. That's it's we're venturing into something that I, I don't know that government should be there. They should be governing and leaving that kind of thing to the, the marketplace. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring Diana Weeks back into the conversation. Diana, of course, from 900CHML's newsroom. Uh, though you will not be hearing Diana for the next little while, I mean, after this next hour, because, uh, well, you'll hear why later in the show. But, Diana, before we get going, are you are you someone who can be a jealous person at other people's successes? Um. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, in certain circumstances, I think that we've all been there, you know, had a little bit of the green-eyed monster. Um, <laughs> I try not to be, though, and it depends, obviously, on the person. If I feel like the person is quite very deserving, then I will, you know, I'll be like, good for them, that's great. Uh, if it's kind of unfair, then maybe I'll have a slight, slight leaning toward jealousy, but mm -hmm. uh, no, not usually. I feel like I'm pretty happy for people, generally. Yeah, and see, I like to think that I'm the same way, that I don't get too jealous about other people because I've had good fortune as well. And, you know, I, I, yeah. you know I've, got, I've got nothing to complain about. However, Diana, that said, however, despite my best efforts to feel very happy for everybody, there is a woman in Sault Ste. Marie that I am struggling with just a little bit today. An 18, an 18 year old young lady who bought her first ever lottery ticket, didn't even know how to buy it, had to get help set filling it out by the corner store guy. 
won $48 million. See, yeah, that's when it comes out. That's when the green starts to emerge. Really? $48 million and you don't even know how to buy the lottery ticket? There is something, you know, there are people listening right now who buy lottery tickets every week who are thinking, yeah, the world is not spinning on a fair axis. That's just not right. $48 million. Unbelievable. And she's 18 years old. And if I had to guess, before the end of the day, there will be all kinds of people sliding into her DMs looking for a date. I don't care. I don't know anything about her. But I'm sure that she is the most popular person in Sault Ste. I mean, I don't know what you have to do to reach the category of most popular person in Sault Ste. Marie, but I'm guessing this would be among the things. I'm going to vouch her to say she's pretty popular right now, wherever she is. Well, yeah. And again, especially in Northern Ontario in the middle of winter when your options for doing stuff are probably limited. DMing someone who just won 48 million bucks high on the list right now, I'm guessing. Now, it says she's Uh first year university. What is she studying? Do you think she's going to continue with the studies? You know what? Sure. I mean, I know (laughs) she's she's 18. Sure, she will for a while. Uh, I only, I've only heard of, now I know there are more than this, Diana, but I've only heard of one person when I used to work in Brantford many, many years ago. And there was a couple there, the Kellys, if I recall the last name correctly, who this was, I don't know, 30 years ago, one at that time, what was, I think the biggest lottery in Canadian history. And the reason I mentioned them, they were the people, they were the kind of people who spent nothing. They saved it and invested it all. And it wow. became a bit of a it became a bit of a sad story because he died very shortly after they won, but she has done amazing things with this money because she invested it, and then she has helped endless charities with the interest, and she travels and all these things. But to me, that's so unusual. Like most of the stories you hear are people saying, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really disciplined with this," and then. Five years later, you hear that they've spent it all. It seems like that is a really tough thing to do. Well, just looking at, you know, like a quick little search on her, um, because I did hear about her uh, today. She is a member of the Garden River First Nation community there, uh, and she's studying to be a doctor in university. So she says she will no longer have to take out grants or loans. So, I mean... Maybe the forty-eight million will partially cover med school for her. <laughs> you know how it is, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know it sounds like she wants to give back. So, so this is this is good. You know, you know she seems like she's she's an eighteen-year-old who's got a good head on her shoulders and, and wants to help. So we'll see what happens there. Have you ever? I'd be shocked if you hadn't. I know I have. Have you ever laid in bed sometimes just when you're trying to fall asleep and you've heard about someone winning a lottery at some point? Have you ever? played that game of what would I do if I ever won 10 million bucks? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 10 million. Man. Yeah. I mean, it, whew, I mean, before I remember when it was like, Oh, if I had $1 million, uh, we could do yeah. this, but now that'll burn up in, in what a week at the grocery store. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think I would travel and I definitely think I would, I would help, you know, give, give chunks to my family and, and see where that goes. Maybe, you know, Pay off a house, a mortgage. I'd be shocked if there was anybody who hasn't played that game in their own head. Just when they're lying there sometimes saying, you know, what would I do with it? And what I think is so interesting is almost everyone that I've ever asked that same question that I just asked you. um, and, And your answer was very much in line with what most people say. And that is, I would help people, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's community, whether whatever. And I think, I believe that every single person, pretty much every single person who says that truly believes that that is what they would do with the money if they want it. But I always wonder how many actually do when that time comes. Because it's a lot easier to say it when it's not real than when it's real. Yeah, right. And then, you know, what happens with family relationships and friendships? Like, well, you gave this person this much. How come oh, you yeah. didn't give me? You know, oh, the ugliness yeah. comes out, right? Oh, yeah. Could you imagine now? Okay, so she won 48 million. Okay, let's go with 48 million for a second because that's what we're dealing with here. Now, you've got a sibling, let's say. Or let's say you've got yeah. two. Let's say she's got two siblings. 
you've won 48 million. What is the amount that you are essentially obligated to give each sibling so that they don't think you're a jerk, but also it's not ridiculous? What would be the number? Oh my God. I guess it depends. Right? Like depends on the but situation a- that my sibling is in. Like if they're obviously really struggling, I would probably give them more. But if, you know, they're pretty well, well set and financially independent, then maybe they don't need as much. I guess it depends. I, I don't know. I can't, I couldn't put a number on that. I would have no idea. But, but again, okay. Know. So you've won, you've won 48 million. Let's say you gave each of them $5 million. Are you, that's kind of are what you, I was thinking. Like that's the first number that came to my head, to be honest. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give them 5 million. But if, yeah. but and $5 million is a lot of money. But you've yeah. won 48 is 5 million being cheap because don't forget now, now you've got to go down the line. Now you've got cousins and you've got friends. Well, I mean, if you give someone $25,000, which is still a lot of money, yeah. you've won 48 million or people going, oh, you know, they had so much and they gave, I mean, I, I'll take the 25, but you know, in their head, are you thinking cheapo? Like I just, it's to me, as much as I would, sure, I'd love to win $48 million. To me, it is an absolute no-win scenario once that money's in your pocket. Unless you just take the money and run yourself and don't give it to anyone. (laughs) Then you're safe. On the one hand, although, you know, I I also think that probably um, this this young lady, um, Juliette Lamour, uh, who I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to be speaking out to Juliet about the Lamour, uh, trying to make that work. But, um, I, I, she's going to have family members coming out of the woodwork, cousins, uncles, aunts. She never knew she had. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what happens. Right. And, and, uh, and I always, I always joke. Thing. Well, and I always joke that, you know, you'll have people come out from high school, old, you know, your best friends from high school. This is more interesting because she just finished high school. So she actually can remember (laughs) who it's as opposed to, you know, if you were 50 and you're going, wait a sec, was I great friends with that person in high school? I can't remember now. At least she's. The whole whole graduating class is DMing uh, Juliet. (laughs) No question. And they're all now down on their luck. Oh, my car broke down and my, uh, you know, my blah, blah, blah. Yeah, everyone, everyone is now desperately needing something. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of money, did you hear this week about Beyonce? That she's going on tour? Well, is no. That the news? The, no. So Beyonce, I'm just typing it on as we, um, so Beyonce did a concert in the last uh, few days. She did a, it was a controversial, it was a one hour concert in Dubai. Um, okay. I'm trying to see who it was for here. It was for, well, it's controversial. So it must've been someone who, you know, controversial anyway. Um, so she did a one hour concert in Dubai and for that was paid $24 million. Oh boy. Uh-huh. Yes. And you know what, what struck me, Diana, about that is, we always hear people saying, and we've heard it recently, and I'm not disputing. We hear people say about, you know, Galen Weston or, you know, with, or anyone else, like he's been in the news lately because of groceries, but whatever, you know, executives who make these exorbitant amounts of money, it's outrageous. How do these people make so much money? And we're furious at executives who make a lot of money or business people. And yet Beyonce makes $24 million for an hour's work and nobody seems to have a problem with this. Why? I don't, I don't know. Like that, I didn't know about that. That's, uh, that is, that's a lot <laughs> for a, a one-hour concert. I mean, if, I mean, if I was the artist, would I turn it down for like, no. I don't think so. But the question of like, how far will we go to get, you know, a celebrity to perform for us? Like, I mean, that's just, that's just a little silly. But if we're so outraged at, at an executive making money now, I know people will say, yeah, but the executive is making money off the average person. Well, yeah. you know what? Um, the people in Dubai, the sultans or whatever, uh, they're making money off their people. It may not be off me and off you, but the people over there, the average people, 
right? So, so, uh, but I, I've, ne- I've not understood, or, or even if it was here, you know, we, we have artists who, you know, Taylor Swift makes a hundred million dollars in a year and people are like, oh, I love Taylor Swift. She's awesome. And yet, okay, what about that executive? Oh, he's a jerk. He makes all, all that money. We, we, we yeah. seem to be, we seem to have two different standards. If, if they entertain us, we're fine with whatever they want to pay, whatever they want to make. But if they don't entertain us, we're mad at it. Yeah. Maybe it comes down to the whole, you know, jealousy thing again. You know, why is that guy making so much, you know? And I don't know. Maybe celebrities are just in a different realm and people just don't even associate them with, with in the, put them in the same category. But I'm the type of person that would never, ever pay for a ticket like that's more than 150 bucks. Like, I don't care who you are. I'm not paying more than that. What's the most, is that the most you've ever paid for a concert? Have you ever paid that much? I can't, I I can't honestly say if I have, I I don't really remember. I mean, it would have to be, and again, I think it would have to be more of a, like a festival situation. Like give me more artists, give me more, but to see one person, like, I don't, I don't see the appeal. I just, I don't know. They're not gods. no, you know, not. I, I mean, and I, and I love music. I love performing arts and all that stuff, but no, I've never, you know, been that person. That's like, I got to get floor seats. I got to do this, mm. you know? And I think I, I paid maybe 200 to go see Paul McCartney when he came to Hamilton. And I don't, and I don't reject, uh, re- I don't regret that one bit, but I can't think of another artist that I would have done that for. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I think I've, I've actually just, you know, going through the list of shows that I've been to, I think I paid close to that to see David Gilmore with for Pink Floyd, like mm. the guitarist. Yep, yep. And that was an experience to see that. But I remember being like, I don't know, that's kind of steep. These seats are not that great. But it, you know, being in that moment, I was like, this is great. And, you know, it was an awesome, awesome experience as I'm sure that you had with, with McCartney as well. So, but yeah, like the whole Mariah Carey thing and just the hype around it. I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. No, you know? no. And, and again, though, you know what we, uh, so I, I'm speaking as, you know, I, I'm as guilty as an ex person. I paid 200 bucks or whatever it was to go see Paul McCartney. So you can figure out what he made that night in Hamilton. All right. right. 18,000 people or whatever. And I was one of the cheaper tickets. All right. So you can guess how much he made and how much he makes as he does his whole tour. And I have no issue somehow with him making that much money. It's fine to me. But I look at, as I say, then I look at other business people or other executives and they make 40 million a year, which is probably a third or a quarter of what McCartney or one of these people makes. And I'm outraged. It's just, it's a funny thing that we, we, as long as it appeals to us, it seems like it's okay. But if it doesn't, then it's horrendous. Yeah, like what do we get? It's all the, you know, it's the whole concept of, you know, what what do I get out of it? What What is yeah. in it for me kind of thing, right? Diana, are you a country music fan? I am. And I already know what you're going to ask me based on that song that we just came <laughs> in with. So, All right. So Boots and Hearts, which is the annual around here, the annual big weekend long country music fest. My son went to it last year. He loves country music. Um, it's, it's, it's like, well, the boots part gives it away. It, it should actually be called boots and belt buckles. And big hats. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so their lineup this year, Tim Hicks heads the lineup on the first night. Uh, Keith Great Irvin artist, by be, the way. Love yeah, Tim Keith, Hicks, local St. Catherine's boy. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Keith Urban. Everyone knows Keith Urban was the played at yeah. uh, Tim Hortons Field, big concert a while back when it was getting open. Tim McGraw, um, great country singer, as I know. Also, I love him more from being in the blind side, uh, that movie from years ago. But then you know, fr- just an interjection here for one second about Tim McGraw. Have you ever I know we're gonna talk about Christmas movies for a second, but have you ever seen the movie Four Christmases? Yes. With Vince Vaughn. And yep. Reese Witherspoon, Tim yep. McGraw is one of the brothers in that movie, and he is, is he? fantastic. He is so funny in that movie. Well, you know who Tim? Now this is totally off topic, but Tim McGraw is the son of former Philadelphia Phillies closer Tug McGraw, who won a World Series back in nineteen seventy, whatever else. Anyway, that's also why I know him. Anyway, 
Friday night at Boots and Hearts, the country music, big hats, big belts, big boots, big beer festival, Nickelback. Help me out here, Diana. I am not understanding the world of music anymore. How how does Nickelback end up at a country music festival? I don't know, and I'm not entirely sure why they're headlining a night as well. I mean, you, like you said, you've got Tim McGraw, Keith Urban, Tim Hicks, and then Nickelback. And then if you look in that, you know, they're playing on the Friday. And then if you look at the other artists, they're not um, – there's a couple in there, great artists, Big Wreck. J.J. Wild, love them both, but again, not country artists, so I don't really know what's going on here. So it was either yesterday or the day before, I can't remember now, I guess it was last night that we were chatting with Eric Alper on the show. Uh, people can go back and listen to it online at 900CHML if they want to go to and go shows and go my show and you'll find it. Anyway, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee list or nomination list came out this week. And we were talking about this very thing, only the flip side, because we were saying, I'm not sure how Willie Nelson, that 89 years old, <laughs> ends up as a nominee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There is no part of Willie Nelson that's rock and roll. I mean, it's not a slam against Willie Nelson. He's a beloved country singer. And there's some Willie Nelson songs that I like, and I'm not even a country fan. There's no knock on Willie Nelson. Just he is the furthest thing from rock and roll that you can imagine. And we were saying, well, you know, the world of music is kind of blending into this mall, so everyone takes a little bit from everyone else. Is that what this is? Is Nickelback now somehow, by some definition, if you want to massage the wording, could you say Nickelback is somehow now a country-infused band? I mean, technically, maybe some of their songs have you know, some country flavor in there. I'm not a big Nickelback fan to begin with, but uh, I mean, I definitely know that, you know, like some of the other ones on there, like I said, Big Wreck and J.J. Wild, they're they're definitely not country. So it looks like they're filling one of their prime spots here with folks that are good, but I mean, they're not necessarily country. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I've never been to Boots and Hearts, I will say, as a country fan. My husband and I, years ago, went to the Havelock Jamboree, which they say is the true country music <laughs> fans festival. Uh, we felt really out of place just because, you know, it was quite um, different than anything we've ever been to. I don't know oh. if I would go again, but it was definitely pure country, 100%. Oh, oh I see. Okay. And uh, that's all I'll say on that. But, you know, we showed up and it was kind of like, okay, where are we? But, um, yeah, I, I don't uh, know. I don't know what's going on here. This is, this I is just a wonder very music, odd lineup. Well, I just wonder, if, leaving, the li leaving the oddness lineup, and I agree, but I just wonder if we've now reached a point where, you know, look, not, not to get too deep into, you know, philosophical here, but, you know, people in our society are saying, well, you know what, there's no such thing as man or woman. You are what you want to be. Is it the same with everything? Is it now, is it the same with music that, you know, if you think you're country, if you feel like you're playing for country, then you are. I mean, I, I do, do we, have we just abandoned all categories and labels and, you know, just go with it? Well, look, there's an artist, um, Lil Nas X. I don't know. You, you know, the guy that's familiar. The, uh, yep. You know, with that, that big song that he did uh, with the, oh my God, I'm not going to sing for you, but you know the song and I can't think it off the <laughs> yeah. top of my head. Extremely talented artist, um, you know, artist of color. And unfortunately he was kind of, I mean, he does have hip hop roots as well, but I really think he didn't want to be categorized. So there was a big thing about that, how they were like, well, is he country? Is he hip hop? Is he this? Is he that? And he's like, how about, you know, I'm just, I just make music and, and, you know, and, you know, don't, you know, otherwise maybe they would have defined him as more of a country artist, but there was issues where they didn't do that. And I think along the same lines, Justin Bieber kind of went through the same thing where he wanted his album to be categorized as a hip hop album. And he collaborated with a lot of great hip hop artists and really tried to do that, but they just kept typecasting him as like a pop star. So I think there's a lot of that out there. And the same with the rock and roll hall of fame. Like if you look at the lineup, I mean, Willie Nelson, sure. But there's, there's been artists that have been over the last few years inducted that 
I mean, they're not rock and roll at all. Like you've got hip hop artists, you've got rap artists, you've got pop artists that are being inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. So it's either they were not, were blending the lines between genres or we're just not going to call it rock and roll anymore. So it's a good discussion though, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Old town road, by the way, was the, yes, uh, that's was the song. song. Thank you. But, <laughs> Great song. but see, but the one thing that I find interesting about sort of just playing with the names or the categories and saying, well, you know, you be whatever you want. People like certain styles of music. I, and, and this is where this gets complicated because you know what? I'm willing to bet you that there will be plenty of people at Boots and Hearts who are like, why, what am I listening to here? Why, why am I listening to Nickelback? I mean, I'm here for country music and you can tell me that they are a Boots and Hearts band, but I know what country music is and that's not them. And so when you play with the words and you play with the labels, you can do that all you want, but people still know what you're talking about. For sure. And I'm on the Boots and Hearts Instagram right now just because I wanted to pull up the lineup. And I mean, the first within the first five comments, there's three people that say, what's Nickelback doing here? Nickelback? How does Nickelback make the lineup? They're not country. So it's, it's a question that we're not that you and I are not just having. It's maybe we it's just don't know. <laughs> maybe we just don't know. Years ago, Bob Dylan all of a sudden went electric. Maybe Nickelback is going to show up with giant ten-gallon hats, and they're going to do all bluegrass. Maybe there's something we don't know. I don't know. Or did this, they this come out with be, a country song lately that we don't, I don't know, know about? I don't know. I don't listen the to Nickelback. New, the new Nickelback. It'll be all country twang. We'll see. This, this is going to be their coming out party at Boots and Hearts. Diana is on with us tonight, and then she is going to be off, not on the radio for a while, because she is going off to have a baby, and she's on maternity leave. But Diana, I wanted to talk about this because we're sort of laughing about it, we're joking, and you have not come through for me yet by going into labor <laughs> on the show, which I was really hoping for. But nonetheless... Uh, I did want to talk about this because you have, and you've been public about this. This is not something that I'm, I don't think, uh, putting you in an awkward spot here, but you guys have been on, uh, uh, this has been a while to, to happen and a real journey. And you've talked about how difficult it's been and, and all the difficult this, have you had a lot of feedback from other people who read what you posted about what you've gone through and had any kind of response to this? Oh my goodness. Yes. And, um, of course I have been very open about it. My infertility journey that led here. I was on uh, with Rick Samprin on good morning Hamilton about my article. And, uh, I know it's been talked about, um, a lot. So definitely open book when it comes to that. I, I have gotten a lot of feedback, um, about that. You know, I, I wrote that article in today's parent, uh, almost, when did I write it? May, 2022. Uh, and then I, you know, became pregnant the month after, um, yeah, had you I pretty mean, much given up at that point, not to, not to be negative, but when you wrote that, had you essentially sort of emotionally thrown in the towel on the whole idea thinking it was not going to happen? Yes, but it wasn't so much as me doing it out of a place where like, this is never going to happen, you know, whatever. It was almost cathartic to be excited about closing the chapter. We had gone on our first trip since COVID began and my husband and I love to travel. Um, that's going to end <laughs> apparently, <laughs> but, while. um, you know, prior to, you know, uh, us getting pregnant and, and prior to COVID, we were traveling all over the place. We love to travel together. I've always been like that. And so a part of my article was about the fact that we didn't do that during COVID. And so, you know, you kind of become obsessed with this idea of, of having a family because you forget almost that there's a bigger world out there, even without children. And so, you know, we went on our trip, we went to a friend's wedding in, in Vancouver and we just kind of let loose. And I was like, you know what? I really started looking forward to child-free life. I was like, this is great. I forgot how awesome this could be. And it's weird because people will say when you stop caring, that's when it happens. And I hated when people told me that. I hated it. I hated when people were like, when you relax, you know, you're, it's going to happen. And to a certain extent, I mean, we, we did give it another shot. We did IVF, but I was checked out mentally. I was like, I don't even care anymore. You know, just get it over with, close the book, close the chapter, let's move on. And that's when it happened. So, and you know what, I, I guarantee there are people listening who have either, who are either past that point where they were, where you were and couldn't have children. I get that for sure. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was adopted because my mother 
uh, could not have kids. And so I understand that completely. There are probably others who are in this right now. Um, but as I say, I, I bet you when you wrote that, that not just people from Hamilton, I bet you got besieged by comments because I think there's an awful lot of people out there like that. Absolutely. And I did, you know, I mean, I posted it on my social media channels and I got a lot of private messages of people just thanking me for, for, for being so open about it. But for me, I mean, it was to help other people, but it was also just to let it all out and kind of just, again, like I said, close that chapter. And I mean, I still feel for, you know, families out there, not everyone has the fairy tale ending, you know, like I could have wrote that and then still not be sitting here expecting a, a baby. So like every day I am extremely grateful that that happened, but I do realize that that is not everyone's case, uh, regardless of what mental state you're in. If you, you know, you give up or not give up or keep going, um, it doesn't always happen. So, um, I don't want to say we got lucky because I mean, we, we, we went through everything we could to, to fall pregnant. And then, I mean, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you talk about, you talk about earlier in the show about, um, the jealousy, if there was anything in my life that I guess I envied other women for, it was, you know, the ability to fall pregnant so fast, you know, without even trying. And I was like, do you know what we're going through? And so I, I just feel for the women out there and for the families that are still in the trenches of that. Yeah. It's, I've it's always thought it was, I've always thought it was sort of an oddity that you hear so many stories about, you know, some 15, 16, 17 year old girl who certainly doesn't want to be pregnant by any stretch and no problem for them. And then people who, you know, are in a position where they are set up better and have more resources and are, you know, better prepared and at a better age and all those kind of things for the kid. And it's like, man, we can't make this happen. And it just, it, sometimes it just seems like, okay, well, this, this just doesn't seem right or fair or something. And I got to imagine if you're in that position, again, that, that idea of this doesn't seem fair is probably front of mind. It was, and it happened a lot. And, you know, you'd see it, it was very painful and um, it's an awful feeling. And, uh, you know, like I, I'm very cautious of that now, you know, just being triggering to some people that are going through that. And, you know, I, I get it if, if, if they want to, if they want to, you know, not associate with me or, or unfollow me because it can be painful. I get it, you know, but um I mean, some people have easier roads, some people have harder roads, but that was definitely something I struggled with was the, the ones that were like, oh, we weren't even trying or we weren't even planning. And it's like, I'm giving myself, you know, six daily shots here. <laughs> like, why isn't it happening for me? So, but it, it did. And again, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful. And yet, so. I, and, and we only have a couple of minutes left, but one of the things about this is then that there might be a suggestion that, you know what, nobody should ever talk about their pregnancy or say they're happy they're pregnant because, you know, someone like Diana a year ago might've been listening and it might've been difficult. But at the same time, I, I, I'm, I'm, I find it hard to believe that you would say if you're pregnant, never be excited about it publicly. Don't say anything, even though there might be someone that is hurting. I, I just, I can't imagine that you would say, don't say anything because someone could be upset. No, 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 no. And and if you go on my social media now, you'll see it's inundated with stuff. Like I just posted a video today on the, the nursery that we decorated and I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to, you know, I've been through a lot and I'm, I'm so happy to be in this place. I'm going to put it out there. I definitely won't be offended if somebody unfollows me and says, I don't want anything to do with this. That's fine. That's totally fine. But I am also going to enjoy this time as well. So yeah, I've come if, to that what? place. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It comes right back to where we started this show. We were talking about a school that's canceling Valentine's Day because of the possibility that somebody could be upset. And you know what? I, ultimately, we don't, I don't think that we want to take away somebody's happiness because you're so scared that someone else might be upset that you can't express when something really good is happening to you or something you're enjoying. I think it's fantastic that you're excited about it and, and yeah. expla expressing that. Yes. I'm just, you know, I have an open mind because I've been there and somebody might be having a bad day and it might hurt them. Sure. And if they want to, you know, I don't think they should come at me and say, why are you sharing these things? Then I will have something to say in that sense and be like, look, I've, 
have every right to be here and share this. If you don't like it, you can unfollow me and I get it. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do hear that. The one thing I, I don't like is, is prying into people's lives when, you know, you don't really know a person. Like I've mm. totally changed the way I talk to people, you know, and, and asking like, are you having kids? Are you having a second kid? Are you doing this? Because you never know what someone's going through. Right. And it's, right. I guess that goes for a lot of things, but I guess this is just one thing that is my sensitive spot. I probably say a whole bunch of stuff to other people that is insensitive because I don't know any better, you know? And, and I mean, that's just the way it is, but so is it? Do you, I know? I don't know if this is public, but do you know if it's a boy or a girl? Oh yeah, it's a girl. Yeah. Oh, it's a girl. We knew very uh, early on because we did very early testing, like genetic testing. So. All right. Well, yeah. that got you. That gets you off the hook because otherwise it was going to be a really tough choice between naming it Rick, Bill, or Scott. <laughs> um, you know, and so <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is probably for the best that you can. Uh, you can come up with something that's unrelated to that. Uh, listen, yeah. we're going to let you go. But uh, Diana Weeks, uh, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. And next time you hear from Diana, probably she'll be a mom. So, hey, way to go. Yeah. Even though, Thank you even so much though for you, having me, Scott. Even though you let me down by not giving birth <laughs> on the air. Next time. No, no, no I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say <laughs> <Sorry>. next time. <laughs> Diana, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much, Scott. Have a great weekend. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.